Hi, I'm Walter Harvey, the senior pastor at Parklawn Assembly of God. Parklawn is a church that both regular attenders and even unchurched people love to attend. Why? Perhaps it's because we seek real and authentic relationships. We're a multicultural church that's engaged in volunteerism and outreach in our community and world. Let's face it, we live in a real world. Young people are facing challenges in their school, relationships, and career choices. That's why we're focused on practical matters, such as making faith work in family, career, and community issues. If you're tired of church as usual, or you don't go to church at all, then Parklawn Assembly of God could be the perfect place for you. Come check it out this weekend. We have services each Sunday morning at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. Parklawn Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon. During this month of May, we, um, we're focusing on women. Women matter to God. And I've chosen the theme called Church Girls um, because church girls don't just go to church. They do much more than that. There's a purpose and a plan and a destiny that God has for the lives of his daughters, for the mothers, for the women of God. And uh, Satan has long desired uh, to crush the spirit and to crush the dreams of the women his ultimate goal is to kill the men because men are the carriers of seed. And without seed, there's no reproduction. There's no potency. There's no power. But oftentimes, the enemy has used men to crush women because women are the carriers of that seed. They're the incubators. And so my heart, and I believe this is the plan of God during this month, is to release and to activate the daughters in the house, the women of God. And we have been... Uh, we began this, this study this past Wednesday talking about some women in the Bible. And throughout this month, you'll hear about Hannah, you hear about Eve, you hear about Bathsheba. There are some bad girls in the Bible too, but there's some stuff we can learn from them. But today we're going to learn about the Queen of Sheba. Uh, this was a woman who was uh, the emperor of a nation. And she heard about the fame of Solomon and his relationship with God, and she traveled over 1,200 miles from Ethiopia and southern Arabia uh, to Jerusalem. This was a woman who was rich. She was loaded with stuff. She had it going on, but she recognized she needed more. Is there any women that have a, have a capacity to take more of God? You believe that you're doing okay, but there's more that you want? I believe there's more that God wants to give you. And if you hunger and thirst after his righteousness, he says, you'll be filled. Now, if you just fine and you satisfied and you got it going on, just sit yourself right down and, you know, the Lord will just bless somebody else. But Jesus says that the Father is seeking those who will worship him in spirit and truth. God is looking for seekers. He's looking for hungry folks. He's looking for people who are thirsty, who are not who, are not, who, do, who don't feel that they've arrived, but people that have a, a greater capacity, there's more that they believe that God has for them. And so that's what we're going to be focusing on during this month. This past Wednesday, if you were not here, let me just share with you, uh, I dealt with the Queen of Sheba at our Aspire Wednesday night, and the message was called the Royal Treatment. I don't know if you've ever experienced the Royal Treatment, but I have. I like the Royal Treatment. My wife gives me the royal treatment every now and again, 
Not as much as I'd like to, but come on, man. Say amen. Don't leave me out there by myself, you know. Not as much as we like to, but when we do get it, we're appreciative. Y'all know what the royal treatment is. You get your nails done. You get your feet massaged. You get your, your, your head, you know, massaged, you know, a bubble bath. You, the red carpet is rolled out. That describes, that royal treatment describes what happens when you go to a five-star resort as opposed to the Super 8, right? You check yourself in. You carry your own bags in, right? Your key might not work at the Super 8, but the five-star hotel, they carry in your stuff. When they open the room up, they go in, and they make sure everything's all right. That's the royal treatment. Well, the Queen of Sheba, she received the royal treatment when she journeyed all the way to Jerusalem because she was hungry to find out about this, this Solomon and about the God that he served. And this past Wednesday, we made an application, and it is, it is our heart and our intent as a church that the people in our community and the people in this city and the people who would travel and visit from near or far, that when they come unto the grounds that's called Park Lawn Assembly of God, the parking lot, even if they visit us on the website, that they would receive the royal treatment. And I joined with Minister Sam in acknowledging those who are visiting with us today. I had my back turned and I couldn't see the hands, but we uh, recognize that, that, that people are hungry for more, that they're seeking something. And whether they are are invited to come to church or, or they are just curious. They heard about Bishop Harvey. They've heard about Park Lawn. They've heard about our worship experience or whether they are compelled to come. You know, some folks are drug addicts. They just, you know, somebody just grabbed your ear and drug you to church. Whatever reason, there are people who are here who are longing for more. And I want to let you know that we welcome you to a church of sincere worship. That what you, what you experienced and what you heard and what you saw this morning was not a show. We have sincere hospitality, a sincere welcome. We have authentic worship. And we thank God that we are a church that celebrates and proclaims the anointed word of God. Come on, if you, if you believe that about Park Lawn, give God some praise. So if you are a seeker in the house, that's a good place to be. The queen of Sheba, she was a seeker of more. And there are different types of seekers. People are, are hungry. They're looking for more. They're looking for better. They're looking for, for satisfaction. They're looking to have their thirst quenched. There's an inner hunger for more on the inside of them. And Jesus said in Matthew 5, those who are hungry, they shall be filled. Women, you have an ability, a deeper ability, a greater capacity than men to seek after the things of God. Doesn't mean that you're better, it just means that you're different. When I look through scripture, I, I find a few men like uh, blind Bartimaeus who began to cry out with a hunger and thirst for Jesus to touch him and heal him. But I see over and over when I look at the scripture, I see that woman with the issue of blood who when she heard that Jesus was passing by, she pressed her way through the crowd. She was seeking to touch the hem of his garment. I, I read about Hannah in the Bible who longed to have a child. And she sought the face of God with earnestness and with prayer and with tears. So much to the point that she had that kind of ugly cry on her face that the, prof, the priest Eli thought she was drunk. But when you don't care what people think about you and you just got a desire and a hunger and a thirst for God, 
that you're saying to God, I won't let you go until you bless my soul. I think about people like Ruth. When Naomi was bitter of spirit, had lost her husband and lost her only two sons, her only two children, and and the other daughter-in-law that was married to one of the sons left, that Ruth said, listen, don't tell me to leave you. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Where you die, I will die. Your people will be my people, and your God shall be my God. I'm not going anywhere other than you. Over and over when I read about scripture, I hear about the persistent widow woman coming to the house of the unjust judge, seeking day after day after justice. Women, you have this greater capacity. There is something on the inside of you like a sponge that just wants more and more and more of God. I'm jealous of y'all a little bit. I'm just going to be honest with you. But that's all right. Because God is calling in this season for the wailing women. He's calling for women who will, who will come into his presence and who will soak up everything that he has for them and then will pour it out at the altar of God. That will receive the burden, that will receive the seed of God's dream and his purpose and then who will pray that back to God and release his purpose and destiny in the earth. Hallelujah. And when women begin to do that, you know what it does is that it, it testifies against the lukewarmness in the rest of us because some of us are just settled. Jesus, Jesus said in the, in the church of Revelation, he said, I wish that you were hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I'll have to spit you out of my mouth. You see, he's looking for some women who are hot, who will go after the things of God. And when you do that, it testifies against the lukewarmness in other folks. People who are cold, people who are lukewarm, people who used to be hot, now they've been sitting for a while, and now they're cold. The Queen of Sheba is one of those who testified against the lukewarmness. In fact, in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus talked about the men of Nineveh. Nineveh, which was a Gentile, ungodly city, they repented and sought the face of God. And he says that they are going to stand up at the day of judgment and they're, they're going to condemn even the righteous folk who would not even lift their eyes to seek God. He says in Matthew 12 and 42, he talks about the Queen of Sheba. He calls her the queen of the south, that she will rise at the judgment with this generation and she will condemn it for she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom and now someone greater than Solomon is here. He's saying this woman came over 1,200 miles. She had everything that she, you could imagine in life, but she still wanted more. And some of you all are in the presence of God week after week after week and you're not even seeking for more testified against their lukewarmness. There are people who are coming to seek more of God. They're looking for wisdom. That's what the queen was looking for. She heard about Solomon's wisdom. They're coming to look for order. They're coming to look for the manifestation of the love that the people of God talk about, we sing about, we pray about, but do you really demonstrate it? They're looking for that. I want to share with you the main text of today and of this past Wednesday. The second time, there's only two times that the Queen of Sheba is mentioned in Scripture. We just read the first one, which was in Matthew 12. The uh, first time is in the Old Testament. It's in 1 Kings chapter 10. It's also uh, duplicated in 2 Chronicles chapter 9, but I'm going to use 1 Kings chapter 10. If you have your Bible or your electronic device with Scripture on it, turn there with me. Otherwise, we'll put it on the screen for you. Verse 1 says... When the queen of Sheba heard about the fame of Solomon and his relationship to the Lord, she came to test Solomon with hard questions. Arriving at Jerusalem with a very great caravan, 
with camels carrying spices, large quantities of gold and precious stones. She came to Solomon and talked with him about all that she had on her mind. Solomon answered all her questions. Nothing was too hard for the king to explain to her. When the queen of Sheba saw all the wisdom of Solomon and the palace he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his officials, the attending servants in their robes, his cupbearers, and the burnt offerings he made at the temple of the Lord, she was overwhelmed. She said to the king, the report I heard in my own country about your achievements and your wisdom is true, but I did not believe these things until I came and saw with my own eyes. Indeed, not even half was told me. In wisdom and wealth, you have far exceeded the report I heard. How happy your people must be. How happy your officials who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. Praise be to the Lord your God who has delighted in you and placed you on the throne of Israel. Because of the Lord's eternal love for Israel, he has made you king to maintain justice and righteousness. And she gave the king 120 talents of gold, large quantities of spices and precious stones. Never again were so many spices brought in as those the Queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. This morning, I'm, I am using the Queen of Sheba to illustrate what happens naturally, emotionally and spiritually in the lives of everyday people like you and me. People are always shopping around, looking for more, looking for a better deal. Ladies, y'all like sales, don't you? Amen. You just, that, that's next to praise the Lord. Hallelujah is, it was on sale. That's spiritual language. It was on sale. Thank you, Jesus, right? You can just put a praise on it. It was on sale. You just feel the Holy Ghost when you see a sale, right? Everybody likes a sale. They we're looking for more. We're looking for upgrades. We're looking for satisfaction. There's something on the inside of us that's missing that we we feel that if we, if not just, you don't have to spend money, but you're shopping for more. There are people that are shopping for a church home or a new church home or a church home for the very first time. There are people that are, that are shopping for a relationship with God for the first time. Or maybe you, you drifted away from God and, you, and you're being drawn back to him. You're, you're looking around. There are people that are shopping for friendships they're lonely. They need, they need support. They need allies. And then there are people that are shopping for a deeper friendship. You're shopping for a spouse. This thing is serious. I don't want to just go to dinner with you. I want, a, I want a husband. I want a wife. You're looking for romantic love. Solomon had this reputation of being a romanticizer. Not only his reputation of, of wisdom, and I'm sure the queen of Sheba knew that. You know, the scripture says that she heard about the wisdom of Solomon and his relationship with God. But ladies, y'all know, y'all know the reports about the fellas. You've heard. I'm sure that she knew that Solomon had loved many, 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 many women. In fact, 1 Kings chapter 11, the chapter right after we introduced to the Queen of, so Queen of Sheba, in verse 1, it tells us that Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter. 
He loved the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Edomites, the Sidonians, the Hittites, the flashlights, the neon lights, the, you know, if it, if it moved and it had a skirt on it, Solomon was chasing it. <laughs> Verse 2 says, they were from the nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines, and his wives led him astray. I'm sure the queen knew that. <laughs> but I think, the queen, I think the queen was probably in a different category. She was in a different category. I'm going to show you at the end of the scripture of this message why but it's interesting that she's put she's positioned in the chapter before we start hearing about the strange women that Solomon loved who led him astray from the Lord their relationship was was different it had a different purpose I believe that's why she's only mentioned twice in scripture and she's mentioned first before we hear about the strange women but there are some women there are some church girls who are attracted to bad boys don't look at nobody, just keep looking at me and nobody have to know that's you. Shopping. Church girls, can we talk about this? Our sister Lois said, yeah, the rest of y'all ain't say nothing. Y'all ain't talking to me. There's some church girls that are attracted to bad boys. You know, this may help women, but I believe it'll also help men, especially single men. Psychology Today did a report they did research that revealed that more women are attracted to men who possess what they call the dark triad personality traits. Triad, which is three. Dark triad personality traits. I'm going to help some women figure themselves out. The first dark personality trait is narcissism. This is a, this is a person, as we speak about women and men, it's, it's a man who has a dominant attitude, a confidence in himself. He's confident in the midst of competition. Um, he's somewhat selfish, narcissistic. This is a trait that's attractive to a woman, particularly when it's a short-term relationship. The second dark trait is psychopathy, not sociopath, because <laughs> a sociopath is like an ax murderer, Terrorists, right? You know, somebody that's going to scratch your car with a key and break your windshield with a brick. You ever see thin line between love and hate? Okay, that's some sociopathic kind of behavior there. But a psychopath is someone who is bold. They have an I don't care attitude. They're a risk taker. They, they lack empathy. They're callous. They just... You know, and, and particularly when it comes to short-term relationships, there are some church girls that are attracted to bad boys like that. I know I'm helping somebody because y'all y'all quiet and looking. So let me just go ahead and teach and y'all just take notes. Act like it ain't for you, like you taking notes for, you know, your cousin. So we got narcissism, we got psychopath. And then we have Machiavellianism. What does that big word mean? Machiavelli was an was actual guy, but they, they used him to talk about being slick, cunning, manipulative, 
having an extroverted personality where you you can just kind of say what needs to be said to get whatever it is you want. It's attractive to women. Some of you brothers need to take some notes, man, and just mix this with the Holy Ghost and with some righteousness, hook you up. But this is this is this these traits are more attractive in short-term relationships. And it's interesting that the study found that women are kind of split in personality. I'm not saying y'all, you know, schizophrenic, but, you know, you want righteousness and longevity and you want, you know, loving, committed partnership, but yet you want the bad boy too. That's what the study shows. So those of y'all who are shopping for a bad boy, you better watch out. It's true that, that, that girls like to shop. Brother Camber, come up here with me and bring that basket and stand with me. It's true that girls like to shop. So I reached out to my friends, uh, Elliot and Lisa Torrance at Torrance House of Threads. And uh, I know some of y'all too busy to shop. You were at the women's tea yesterday, so you couldn't, uh, you couldn't make it. Um, Brother Van Mims, your mother is here today. Would you, um, Jason, come up and get this for your, your uh, grandmother. Amen. Mother Mim, stand up. We just want to bless you with a gift. Amen. Hallelujah. Who is the oldest senior saint that we have in here this morning? Any senior saints over 75? Stand up. Who's our oldest senior saint here? Wow. Mother, tell us how old you are. Tell us how old you are. 94. My God. Hallelujah. Wow. Come on, y'all. We got to do better than that. Praise God. Glory to God. I'm going to do one more. I'm going to do one more. I'm going to do one more. Um, Do we have any mothers in here that just had a baby? I know Tim and Kyra Wright just had a child last month. Any... Any, any mothers that just had, anybody, any mothers in here had a baby this year? Huh? You said grandbaby? Grandbaby? You really worked hard for that grand. To, yeah. <laughs> you labored and how long was your labor? <laughs> any mothers have a baby last year? Sister Sonia, Brother Jay, come and get this for your, for your bride. That's the Lord. Amen. See, church girls love to shop. How many of you all would agree that a bad day shopping beats a good day at work? Anybody agree with that? So I want to help through the, the, the life of the Queen of Sheba help you to identify while you're shopping 
how to identify a good potential partner, whether that's a friendship or whether it's a, a, a dating romantic relationship with the goal of leading to marriage or, or whether it is a business partnership or if it's somebody that's looking for a church, somebody that's going to walk with you through your spiritual journey and the struggles in life, how do you identify a good partner? Well, when you go shopping, the first thing you do is that you make a list, right? So you need to write down, you need to identify what you want, what you deserve, right? What, what, I, what I expect. Second thing you do is you got to do a budget. When you go shopping, you need to know how much you got to spend because you still got to pay your bills after you shop. Still got to bring God your tithes before you shop. <laughs> so you got to do a budget. So if it's a relationship, say, say for example, if it's a church that you're shopping for and the church is in Kenosha and you live in uh, Sheboygan, you got to do a budget. Hmm, that's going to take me about an hour and 20 minutes to get to church every week. Do I have that in my budget, in my time budget, in my financial budget? If it's a relationship, a romantic relationship, you got $3 worth of love and time and patience and kindness, and he a $5.50 brother, you know, and I can't afford him. Uh -uh, he costs too much. And you want some change back? You might have to find a $2.55 brother. Right? So you still got 45 cents left. So you got to do a budget. What are, what are, what are your limits? What, what is tolerable? What's your, what's your breaking point? If, if he has this or if he does this, I know we're not going to be together. So you got to do a budget. Third thing you got to do is you got to do some research. Now, the tragedy is that most people do their research online. They look at social media pages. They, what do they call that? Trolling? You know, when you you like stalking people on Facebook, you reading about their likes and their dislikes and who their friends are, you doing research on them. You looking at their pictures, they don't even know who you are, but you checking them out as potential partners. You doing research, and that's all right. Do your research. People do that when it comes to a church. They look at the website. They look at the church social media page. They they want to find out what they're going to experience when they come into that potential partnership. So you got to do your research. This is where some people go wrong. When they shop, they, uh, it's good to try on the clothes before you buy them, but when it comes to romantic relationship, ladies, please don't try on the clothes before you buy them. And what I mean by that is that some ladies feel like, well, I got to know if he good. I got to know if we compatible. Romantically, don't try on the clothes. They're going to leave an impression on you. A soul tie will be formed, which will make it difficult for you to say, no, I don't want to buy it. You might just end up renting it instead of buying it. So don't try it on until you buy it when it comes to sexual intimacy. But what the queen does show us is that before you buy, you got to ask some tough questions. You got to ask some tough questions. The scripture tells us that she went to Solomon and she asked him some hard questions. I want to put up just a, 
an image of what the queen perhaps could have looked like. We don't really know, but we know that she was a beautiful black African queen. Maybe she looked like that. I don't know. Maybe she looked like Sister Judy. I don't know, but, you know, in my mind, this will do. This will do. But we know that she was a brown-skinned African queen. She was a descendant of Noah's son, Ham, the Cushite people. The tragedy is that because of the permeation and the dominance of European culture in our own nation and the, hist the history of, of, of this, this myth of supremacy of European ancestry, most of the images, most of the actors that portray the Queen of Sheba. I remember growing up watching Yul Brynner playing Solomon and Gina Lola Brigida was the Queen of Sheba. Most of the images that we see are under the myth that European features are the standard of beauty. I was watching, the, I, I love to watch old westerns. I got that from my daddy. He used to watch Gunsmoke and Have Gun Will Travel and, you know, all, them, all those movies, Rawhide, and I just got that in me. So sometimes Saturday morning when I sleep in late, I'll turn on The Rifleman. Have Gun Will Travel and Daniel Boone. You know, even when I watch those movies, I'm like, man, the Indians, they sure look European. Even the Native Americans were portrayed by European actors. And, and I just, I say this because this is not to, uh, to condemn anyone, but that's the reality of, of what we have been called to do as light, life, and love in our city and in our world is to shine God's light where there is error. Let's shine truth. Let, let's, let's, let's elevate the humanity because we've been created in the image of God. And, and I, I want to submit this to you all that black history is world history. Amen. It's not just a month where we learn. It's world history. We all do better when we understand the contributions, whether you're red, yellow, black, white, or brown. And all history is his story. Black history is world history, and all history is his story. History is the story of God creating man and having a plan and purpose for every person on the face of the earth. I, I pull that from scripture. I'm not just talking to you from, from my heart. Acts 17, Paul talks about how he walked through the city of, of uh of Athens, and he saw all of these, these idols and statues. He says in verse 24, 23, as I walked around, I looked carefully at your objects. He says in verse 24, the God who made the world and everything in it, he is the Lord of heaven and earth. He does not live in temples built by hands, human hands, and he is not served by human hands as, he need, as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. For by one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their land. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. I just, I just had to mention that, y'all. When I see that image of the Queen of Sheba, 
it, uh, it reminds me that we need to celebrate the image of God that's within every human being. Amen? And when we deny that, 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 that beauty and that uniqueness, we are denying the very image and the creation and the glory of God. Let's give God some praise right there. Amen? Hallelujah. So the Queen of Sheba, she was this queen of Ethiopia, this African Southern Arabia territory. Today, what is, what is called modern-day Yemen, which is just across the port of, of Ethiopia, was part of her, her kingdom. It was called ancient Saba, which is where we get the word uh, Seba or Sheba. And, and, and Ethiopia and, and uh, Saba were uh, the tip of a modern-day caravan trade route in which these gold and precious jewels and spices like frankincense and myrrh. Interestingly enough, the very uh, gifts that the Magi, the wise men, brought to Jesus at his birth were the very same gifts that the Queen of Sheba also brought to Solomon like no one had ever brought before. Even Jesus didn't get the quantity of gifts that the queen brought to Solomon. She was a military power. She was in the midst of a country that had the most fertile land on the face of the earth. She was a king queen, if you will. She was, in a, she was an emperor where the king was a queen. She was a church girl who had it going on. And even though she had all of that, she was not satisfied. She wanted more. She heard about Solomon's fame. She heard about his relationship with God, and she came shopping. She came seeking. She came looking. The, the Ethiopian legend, and it's even written in the constitution of uh, the last emperor, Haile Selassie, is that Haile Selassie and everyone who was in his family line were um, assumed to be direct descendants from the genealogy of a child that the Queen of Sheba and Solomon gave birth to called Menelik. That's Ethiopian African history. And the, the legend is that when she left Jerusalem, as our scripture has told us, after she gave Solomon the gifts, he gave her gifts, she left with her caravan. The legend is that she left pregnant. She gave birth to a son back in Ethiopia. And that son later visited his father Solomon and when he left with the caravan, that some that were in his caravan supposedly brought the Ark of the Covenant with them from Jerusalem to Ethiopia. If you travel to Ethiopia today, there are monks that are guarding certain uh, Christian sites supposedly because of the Ark being buried and hidden in that spot. That's just a little bit of history. That's world history, y'all. So this church girl came shopping. She had a list. She had done her research. She heard the rumors about Solomon. She knew what her budget was. She came to ask some questions before she tried it all. Y'all get that? Before she tried it all, she asked some questions. She teaches us how to shop for a partner. She asked some questions. I believe the first question had to deal with wealth. Ladies, you need to ask these questions. Wealth. The queen was seeking a strong trade partner. She was seeking somebody who was her equal, who could benefit her, not just her pouring out all the time. She wants to know, what do you have to bring to the party? <laughs> Say, I know what I got. I want some things, but, you know, what do you want? Can we, can we be mutually beneficial to one another in terms of wealth? And how does that break down for us? Can you take care of me? 
Can you provide for me and my children? Can you pay some bills around here? Do you plan to go to work? Do you have a job? Do you have benefits? Do you have a pension? Do you have insurance? See, God laid it out so that Adam had a job before he even had a wife. You need to ask some tough questions. The second question that she asked had to deal with wisdom. This is all in the text. Yeah, I'm not making this up, y'all. It's all in the text. I just love to deal, dive in the text. I just wish I had more time this morning because she wanted to know about the wisdom of Solomon. She wanted to know spiritually, can you teach me about God? Or do I have to be the leader spiritually? I'm not comparing you to me, but I want to know, can I submit to your leadership? Do you have a prayer life? Do you have an understanding and a, and a devotion and dedication to the word of God? Do you have a relationship with God? Do you, can you ignite a fire on the inside of me and keep it burning that makes me want to fall more in love with Jesus and in love with you at the same time? Can you pastor me? Can you encourage me? Can you correct me and do it in love? Can you build me up? Can you protect me from the wiles and the tricks of the devil that I don't even see? She wanted to know about his spiritual life, his wisdom. Then she wanted to know about his weightiness. In other words, his military might. She wanted to know, can you protect me? Because she was a military queen, she had a lot of stuff going on. Not everybody on the face of the earth was glad she was the queen of Ethiopia. They wanted to be the king or the queen of Ethiopia. And so she wanted to know, when my enemies come up against me, can I count on you to ally with me and to defend me, to partner with me? Will you bring your military resources and line up on the same side that I am? Will you bring your weight of who you are? And can we shoot in the same direction? Not shooting at me, but shooting at the same enemy that I'm shooting at. Now, this is key because when it comes to finding a potential partner, we got to have loyalty to one another against a common enemy. In other words, you can't be friends with that that I hate. <clears throat> Let me just drink a little bit of tea. Let that sit in for a moment. We got to have common enemies. You can't love what I hate. I know y'all got babies together, but you with me now. So you still can't be in love with your ex and be with me. Do we have common loyalty? This is, this is, this is not about preferences. It's about priorities. I'm not talking about you like pizza and I don't. No, I'm not talking about preferences. I'm talking about priorities. Can we be committed to that which pulls us toward our destiny and towards God and, and not what pulls us away from one another and from God? I cannot allow, this is what a woman has to say or anybody seeking a partnership, whether it's a church, business, friendship, I cannot allow what is killing you to kill me too. You got an addiction? It's killing you? I'm praying for you, sister. I'm praying for you, brother. Go ahead and work that thing out in Jesus' name. And when you get yourself together, maybe we can talk. I can't allow what's killing you to kill me. 
I need you to be able to fight a common enemy. Let me go on. Let me go on. I'm, I'm, I'm boring y'all. I'm boring y'all. But talking about finding a good teammate, she wanted to ask some questions about his witness. Because I heard about your relationship with God. And I want to know if it's real. Can I trust you? Can I trust you? Is your reputation just what a, what a reputation is? It's what people think about you. But character is really who you are. Do your character and your reputation line up? Can I trust you? I want to see what your witness is. And the only way I can see what your witness is is that I got to ask you these questions and I got to watch you for a long time. Not no 24 hours. And then I'm trying it on. No, I got to watch you. I got to know, can I trust you? I need to know if you're honest, if you're truthful, if you're transparent. I need to see your actions that are consistent with your words. And when the queen heard about Solomon and she came and she saw and she asked these questions and she saw that what she had heard, that what, what she saw, it exceeded what she had heard. It went beyond the rep. It was the half has not been told to me, she said. Who wouldn't fall in love with a man like that? Some of y'all salivating right now like, oh, Jesus, I can't wait to get out of this service to do some research. <laughs> this, is, this is another one right here she wanted to find, find out through questions are you worthy of my affection are you worthy can you love me and I'm not just talking about sex see I'm not talking about trying to close on I'm talking about can I trust you with my mind can I trust you with my heart can I trust you with my emotions can I trust you with my feelings with my insecurities can I trust you with my fears and my past and my, my future goals? Can you love me? Before you get my body, you got to win my heart. And Solomon, I'm telling you, we just read about that bad. He was a bad boy, more the ways than one. Solomon had the Machiavellianism, the psychopathy, the, the uh, narcissism going on. Solomon had these women like, whoo just swooning, just swept off their feet. He, he even wrote a, a, a book of poetry. Y'all ever heard of the Song of Solomon? Solomon's song? That was a bad brother. I mean, Solomon started talking about pomegranates and secret gardens, and, and he wasn't talking about no fruit. Cabbage and lettuce. No, Solomon was talking about the real day, baby. I see your feet, your legs, your navel, your neck, your waist, your kisses. I mean, come on now. Solomon, that, one, that poor Shulamite woman, she didn't have a chance. <laughs> the final thing that the queen of Sheba saw, and the worship team began to come back. The final thing that she saw, she saw the worship. She saw the worship of Solomon. She saw the worship. Ladies, slow down and look at his worship. Look at his worship. In other words, begin to see. Can you, can you see your partner through the blood? 
Can you see your church through the blood? Can you see your friendship through the blood? Can you see your business partner through the blood? Can you see your spouse through the blood? Because the scripture tells us in verse 4, 1 Kings 10, when the queen saw all the wisdom, she saw the wealth, she saw all the worth, she saw the, the uh, you know, the, um, what was the other W? The witness. She saw all of that. Verse 5, she saw the food on his table, the seating, and da 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 Then she says she saw the burnt offerings he made at the temple. The last thing she saw was his worship. The burnt offerings. The, the translation means that there was an ascent. There were steps going up to where the animals were sacrificed. She saw the worship. This was a woman who came 1,200 miles who was not a worshiper of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And when she saw, Solomon, you, you serve a God by animal sacrifice? Hard questions, but why do you do that? Well, we do it because our God is a holy God. And our God loves us and has a wonderful plan for our lives. And yet there's something that separates us from that wonderful plan, and it's called sin. And sin brings forth death. Our ancestors, the common ancestor of the, everyone on the face of the earth was Adam, and when he sinned and took of that forbidden fruit, he died spiritually, and we began dying physically, and we began dying in relationship with one another. That's why we need good allies. And this God loved us so much that he didn't want us to stay separated from him. So he gave us a plan and a pattern so we could be connected to him. And ultimately one day we believe that this God himself will become a human being and we won't have to offer up animal sacrifices and shed blood on the altar so that we can have our sins removed. Once and for all, this God man will come and he will die for us. Wait a minute, Solomon, I don't understand. But because in my country and some of the nations that I visited, I understand that people are offering up themselves as sacrifices to their gods, but, but you're not offering up your children as sacrifices to please your God? He says, no, our God's not pleased by that. He's not even really pleased by the blood of bulls and goats. The sacrifices of God are a contrite spirit and a broken heart. If your heart's in the right place, those things God will not despise. The God that we serve, he doesn't want us to sacrifice in order to please him. He says, listen, I will sacrifice myself so that I can please myself so that you and I can be in relationship with one another. When she saw the blood, the power of the blood. Oh, my God. Scripture says she was overwhelmed. Not about the food and the servants and the clothes and the wealth and the wisdom. When she saw the worship. Oh, the blood. Oh, the blood. Oh, the blood. When she saw that overwhelming, all-consuming, reckless love of God that chases me down until I am found and leaves the ninety-nine. I don't deserve it. I couldn't earn it. Oh, when she saw that, she said, I, I, I got to have this God. 
She fell in love with Solomon and fell in love with God. And that's when she began to open up her treasures to Solomon. Talents of gold and spices like had never ever been given before. Listen, when God touches your heart, when a man can touch your heart and answer all those questions, I'm telling you brothers, that's when you get ready to see the treasure chest. You're going to have to hold her back because she's going to be trying, trying to try it on. No, wait, 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 wait. I got to put a ring on it first. I know you want me. I know you want me. I'm going to tell Bishop, you don't leave me alone. You better leave me alone. Talking to the single folk now. The blood. The blood. What can wash away my sin? I'm sure she probably asked that. Solomon said, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Well, Solomon, what can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. The blood. She was overwhelmed. The Lord told me that in this morning service, he wants to deal with our partnerships. He wants to deal with our relationships. I want everyone to just, just close your eyes right now. Think about your relationships. Think about your partnership. Think about your partnership with Park Lawn Assembly of God. Your partnership with this church. Are you seeing yourself as a covenant member? You're in covenant with God and covenant with me and covenant with your brothers and sisters who are here. We're, we're, we're a family. We're a church. It doesn't belong to any of us. It belongs to Jesus. But there's certain expectations and obligations that we have in relationship. How are you walking? How are you doing in your, in your covenant partnership as a member of the church? Are you faithful and praying for the church? Are you, are you honoring and loyal in your, in your speech about the leadership and the vision of the house? Are you, are you faithful and obedient to God in your stewardship of tithes and offerings and your time and your talent? faithful in attendance think about your partnerships and your marriages currently some, some marriages are on the brink marriages in this church have been under attack in this season marriages in this church have been under attack in this season men have lost their voices they've forsaken their prayer lives they've forsaken their devotion to God They've left their wives uncovered and given the enemy access to their souls. Parkline Assembly of God exists to share the light, life, and love of Jesus Christ. As a part of this mission, join us for special services, workshops, and encounters. Parkline Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon.